Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm going to give a big special shout out to all my listeners internationally, nationally, and locally. You know, I want to thank all of you for listening and your support each week and tuning into the Transformation for Success show. And you know, I want to give just a reminder that I'm live on the Empowerment Channel Tuesdays at noon and on the Business Channel on Fridays at noon. Both of these shows are available in podcast format for downloading shortly after this show on iTunes, Roku, Stitcher. And so I want you to share with your friends and your colleagues. And for those of you out there that might not know, I have a television online network on the Voice America platform, and it's Voice America Success TV. And you can access all of my shows. I have the Total Woman Show which is framed like the view. I have the Millennial Money Minute. I have the Ana Delgadillo Show. That's in Spanish and English. So I want to welcome you to tune into those shows, and we'd love to have your comments and feedback. Now, this month of May, we're calling it the Trailblazer Month and showcasing guests who are trailblazers. You know, each week I am so pleased to interview men and women trailblazers who've had remarkable success in their transformational journeys and to share with you, moreover, their nuggets and success strategies. So today in the studio, I have one such man who spent a great part of his career years in the United States Air Force and later in many years of leadership experience in law enforcement, rising to the level of the chief of police. So he's going to share his story of how he had a vision of service and now has become an outspoken advocate for veterans and speaks on the parallels between veterans and public safely, safety as it relates to mental health challenges. So help me welcome Mr. Dave Weiner to the Transformation for Success show. So hello, Dave. Hi, Dr. B. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you on the show today, and you have such a, a varied background, I tell you. But I, I want to tell my audiences right now, my listeners, if you're listening live and you have questions of Dave, you're welcome to call in the show. Don't be shy. We have a call-in number. Uh, for those who are listening live, it's one 346 9151 and I'm certain he'll be able to take your questions. And also, if you have any questions that you want to, uh, if you're listening, you want, you're accessing a computer, you can info at transformationforsuccess.com. That's info at transformationforsuccess.com. We appreciate your comments and your feedback. So, Dave, it's such a pleasure to have you today to share your exciting journey. You've had so many challenges from the U.S. Air Force to police chief, and today here you're an outspoken advocate for veterans. You're a speaker, and you've been on the platform and teaching leadership. I say this is quite a transition. So I earlier had a Facebook Live, and I gave a big shout-out, as I'd like to do that now, to you and all the members of our armed forces who are serving this country or have served this country in helping to preserve our 
country. So thank you so much. So David, tell me a, a bit about your background, and I'm really interested in what compelled you to join the military. Well, um, I, I can actually credit my uh, my 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 father, uh, who's mm-hmm. always been an inspiration to me for that. Um, having a little bit of a lack of direction after I uh, graduated high school, um, you know, I, I, I struggled to find uh, my calling, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad had suggested at one point, hey, why don't you, you know, uh, check out the military? And initially I laughed at him. I said, yeah, waking up early and, and all that discipline, probably not for me, um, at least at that time. <laughs> And uh, I went down to the recruiting station and talked to the Air Force recruiter, um, and I actually liked what he what he had to say. Um, and kind of around that same time, I was toying with the idea of going into law enforcement. Um, but when the rec- Air Force recruiter said I could do law enforcement in the military, um, or at least their version of it, um, I I was I was sold. Um, and I can honestly say joining the Air Force and joining the military uh, and serving our country is one of the best decisions I've ever made. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, I was curious about that because um, knowing your background in the military and then law enforcement, I was trying to get, did you, you know, the answer that did he have a motivator that led him? And, of course, that was your dad. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't like you were, you know, drafted. It was like an encouragement. And uh, the other part of it was how the law, law enforcement uh, came in, uh, and that, of course, was you really had an idea uh, or a dream maybe of going into law enforcement before you got in there. So that was interesting that you were able to combine that dream that you had of being in law enforcement and being able to actually uh, live that out in a military career. Now, do you progress through a variety of assignments? Did that just occur naturally? You just uh, happened to get promoted up and you started all these different, you know, journeys? <laughs> Well, that's, and that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that everybody in general has uh, a career path uh, that they follow through, through life and through, through their career and things that they decide that they want to do with their lives. Um, I, I was more, I, I didn't really have a plan when I actually got into law enforcement because initially I didn't know what was available to me. Um, but luckily along the way, I had some really good leaders. Uh, and they, they guided me, uh, and gave me good mentor, mentorship and, and advice. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of just followed my career path where it took me. I was offered different opportunities to do things and I didn't shy away from, uh, from, you know, things that would potentially be a challenge for me. Um, so that, that alone, so I didn't have a defined career path when I got into law enforcement. I just seized opportunities as they were presented to me. Well, that's interesting. And one of the things that you, you, you said, not really having a plan, but you had really good leaders and mentors. Do you think uh, that it is so essential? I mean, how essential do you think that was really to your success by having good mentors and good leaders? Um, I, I think it's uh, imperative, uh, essential uh, for anybody, uh, you know, looking to move through their career or to achieve certain things. In their career, it's it's definitely a positive to have good mentors, um, and I still have great mentors today. Um, that never stops. Um, mm-hmm. You 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 should always have a desire to continue to learn. Um, you know, nobody knows everything. Um, even as the chief of police, 
uh, I had mentors, uh, and I had folks that I would bounce ideas off of. And, um, you know, that definitely helped shape um, direction for me, for sure. You know, um, I had shared earlier when I did a Facebook Live with some of my audiences that my husband served in both the Army and the military and for 21 years. So I, I by living with, a, uh, you know, a husband for 38 years who was in the military, I learned quite a bit from listening to his experiences. So what, which led me to one of the questions that I'll ask you, what do you think was your um, greatest challenge? Our challenges. Um, you know, I, I think I think my greatest challenge was actually becoming a supervisor, um, and I, I say that because as a supervisor, you're now responsible for others, and you're responsible for them in a variety of ways. Um, and you know, early on, I, you know, I can say that um, that was definitely a challenge because now you're dealing with different personalities, you're de- dealing with different issues, um, you you struggle to understand, um, you know, how somebody learns, how somebody thinks, um, you know, and, and you, you learn over time that everybody's different. And, but, you know, that's good information for folks that want to be in leadership positions. Um, leadership is not easy. And it's not for everybody. Um, and it can definitely be a struggle uh, w- without a doubt. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges is, you know, understanding that not everybody thinks like me <laughs> um, <laughs> and everybody has individual challenges. And I yes. think that you, you you have to be understanding. You have to be empathetic. Um, you know, and I think I was exercising uh, a form of, you know, what they now call servant leadership long before they called it servant leadership. Um, um, as a form of, of, of in, in a form of being a leader. Well, you know, it's, and thank you for that, for sharing that, you know, because so many people <laughs> don't talk about servant leadership, uh, particularly when they've been in the military, because it's usually more autocratic and top-down initiated rather than from a servant, uh, service mode. One, one of the things, too, I note, you spent 26 years in the military and law enforcement and corporate security service. What was it like for you when you transitioned to civilian life? Um, well, you know, uh, to, 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 to correct some of the narrative, um, I, I did, you know, I have combined service in military and law enforcement of 26 years. I didn't spend my entire 26 years in law enforcement. All right, uh-huh. correction, military. Um, but, you know, having spent, um, about eight years, uh, in, in the military, both on active and reserve transitioning to, uh, the civilian world, um, was a little bit of the transition, but, you know, as you, you know, as you well know, you know, most law enforcement agencies are sort of paramilitary, uh, in, in rank and structure and things like that. So the transition wasn't as difficult as I thought it might be. Um, you know, there was definitely uh, more freedom uh, being off of active duty and out of the military. Um, but, you know, there was still that, that uh, command structure and there was still, um, you know, you still have to follow direction. You still have to follow orders. Um, there's a lot of teamwork. Um, there's a lot of parallels there uh, between public safety and law enforcement. So my, uh, or public safety in the military. So my transition wasn't uh, as difficult as I thought it might be. Okay. What what compelled you or what happened that you developed 
this compassion for veterans or it came to your attention, what happened? Was there something that that occurred that drew your attention uh, to, to, you know, found the CEO of Secure Measures, LLC? Um, Well, I've spent most of my life in public service, uh, both, Uh you know, as we've discussed, both in law enforcement and the military. Um, And, you know, there's there's definitely within me a desire to serve. Uh, to, to serve uh, the community. Um, and, you know, over the years uh, in public safety, um, you know, and I'd probably speak for a majority of, of law enforcement and fire and EMS personnel, we see horrible things throughout our career. Um, and you, 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 you tend to struggle uh, with those things. Um, and you, you know, sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around incidents you've seen. I mean, you know, being, responding to, to shootings and abuse cases involving children and sex crimes and a, a lot of things that, you know, can definitely leave, leave a mark, uh, on you, especially after a long career. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've learned, uh, over time that, you know, uh, Public safety, we struggle uh, with with these things, uh, and you know, I, I've really taken a shine uh, to the mental health side of the house uh, and wellness, uh, both for our military and both and public safety. You know that that is this such a provocative question here that that I have because you know in thinking about all that you've said you know and Dave when you talk about all the things that you've gone through and seeing um, such tragedies and violence and as you've said it's horrible how do you live with that and and sort of you yourself personally come out of that. And not let that, you know, sort of unscathed to a certain degree. Uh, well, I would say for me personally, two things, uh, mm-hmm. and and both both one is uh, a little more important than the other, of course. But the mm-hmm. first one is is maintaining a good sense of humor. <laughs> um, you really have to uh, be able to laugh at yourself, uh, and be able to, you know, uh, for me, humor has always been a coping mechanism. Um, and I think it's, you know, they say laugh, laughter's, uh, the best medicine, uh, to, to some degree. And I, I, I really think there's some truth in that, at least for me. Uh, the second is, um, I can say that I have an incredibly strong support network. Um, uh-huh. friends and family, friends and family have supported me throughout the years, uh, throughout, throughout the tough times and throughout the hard times, uh, they were there. Um, and as a sounding board without judgment, um, to help me through, uh, challenges. And conversely, I've done the same for them. Uh, so I think that, you know, those two things personally for me, uh, have, have helped immensely, uh, get through some of the, uh, the, what I would consider the darker times, uh, of my career. Well, it's certainly good to have a, a sense of humor. I mean, in spite of all the things and a strong support. Uh, network and a good sounding board. Thank you for that, because not many people have, you know, may have that um, in spite of, because actually, have you seen individuals who become so absorbed with the violence and with what they see that it has turned them to become someone that you wouldn't even recognize? Absolutely. Um, And, you know, over the years, 
Um, you know, and as I've progressed through my career, um, having to help, uh, you know, from a, from a law enforcement standpoint, having to help junior officers, you know, cope with their own struggles, you know, uh-huh. as they move through their careers, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I would try to help them through the benefit of my own experiences. Um, and again, and not in a judging way, but try to give them constructive ways to deal with their stress or deal with their anxiety um, about certain things that they were dealing with. And, and that's admirable. You know, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back because I'm going to talk about what happened when you became chief of police and emergency management of a VA healthcare system. Okay, so listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Mr. Dave Weiner, my guest for today, who is the trailblazer. So thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my guest with me today, Mr. Dave Weiner, who is a U.S. Air Force veteran of 26 years, and he is a retired police chief of the Veterans Administration Healthcare System in Long Beach. So we're going to talk, as we were on break, Dave, we're going to talk about your advent as the chief of police and emergency management of the VA Long Beach Healthcare System. And what was that like for you? Um, it was, uh, I, I can honestly say it was like coming home. Um, and, wow. and I mean that in the most sincerest of ways. And the reason mm-hmm. I say that is because as a veteran, uh, being around other veterans, um, there, there is a measure of, you know, you feel like, you know, you're understood. Um, you feel that, uh, you're, you're part, you're still part of the group. You're still part of the team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, it, 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 
it didn't even feel like much of a transition, um, you know, going going into my my role there. That's wonderful. So when did you begin to realize, too, that there were some challenges with many of the veterans and how you felt about that? Um, you know, as you know, as my career progressed and as I started working uh, at the VA, that gave me a very much more up-and-close personal look uh, at some of the challenges our veterans face when they get off of active duty and they return to civilian life. Um, and you see firsthand, unfortunately, you know, uh, the, the rates of suicide, um, drug abuse, alcoholism, uh, criminal behavior, uh, a, lot of, a lot of terrible things happen to our veterans when they leave, leave the service. And I'll tell you, how do you, how do you cope with that? What are some of the ways that you were able to help these men? Well, um, understanding, um, you know, as the chief of police, uh, I, being fortunate to be the chief of police, um, that gave me, that gave me access, um, to, to different areas of the medical center to route people to get help and to get assistance. Um, and that also allowed me the opportunity to get involved, um, both on duty and off duty, uh, in different programs, uh, and, and different, different modes, uh, and, and ideas to, uh, provide better service to our veterans. Was there anything that, any incident or anything that occurred that sparked your, uh, journey to become this outspoken advocate for veterans? So, uh, actually, yes. Uh, so last year, uh, in March of 2018, um, the uh, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and the VA, uh, they partnered um, to create what is now known as the Mayor's Challenge. And the okay. Mayor's Challenge uh, is basically a public health approach um, to reduce suicides, uh, among service members, veterans, and their family members, um, I was brought onto this this multi uh, multi uh, disciplinary team of mental health professionals, uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, law enforcement, uh, and others uh, who came together, and we went to a policy summit in Washington D.C. last uh, last March, March of 2018, mm-hmm. and. It, it was a great experience. Um, you know, what people, people sometimes don't realize is, you know, you see on the news, you hear about the rates of veteran suicide, uh, but what you don't see is the number of organizations, even outside of the VA, uh, that are actively working uh, at trying to find solutions and trying to, do, uh, trying to find those, those things that are going to help help veterans. And when you're around other passionate people uh, and, and motivated folks and are passionate about a certain cause, you alone, great things are going to come out of that. Um, I and I can imagine. honestly say the entire team that I worked with on the Mayor's Challenge, and I'm still working with the Mayor's Challenge, um, it, it's a phenomenal group of people that are extremely passionate about serving our veterans. Can you clarify, when we talk about public health approach, are we talking about looking at it um, from a mental, uh, physical, sociological aspects? I want to know what that public health uh, approach encompasses. 
It's it's actually all the above of what you just mentioned. Um, <laughs> it's looking because th- exactly there are a lot of dynamics that go into um, you know a, a, mm-hmm. a veteran that's struggling um, you know with housing or struggling with substance abuse um, or struggling with um, you know marital issues. Um, you know, all of these things have a factor, you know, all those things become risk factors for a veteran um, or a military member when they're, when you, when you think in the context of, of suicidality. Do you have, uh, did you guys deal with the percentages that, uh, of veterans that are in need of a public health approach? Let's put it that way. So, you know, it, the VA had done some crunching of numbers, and I know the number 22 has floated around pretty heavily. Um, you know, 22 veterans a day uh, commit suicide. Um, the number is actually closer to 20. Um, and That's still a lot. That That's 20, still a lot, Dave. Oh, with, 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 without a doubt. Um, you know, uh, 20 is still way too many. But out of that 20, um, mm-hmm. 14 uh, are are not receiving services by the VA, and this is a healthcare system that's designed specifically um, to uh, provide services to veterans. So we're we're not even getting half uh, of those folks that are committing suicide uh, to the VA. Is it because um, so, they don't know where to go, or is it because they're on the streets? What what you surmise is the the challenge there that they're not receiving I, services. I, I think there's a combination of factors. Um, I, I really believe that in some cases, um, when people get out, uh, they don't necessarily know where they're going or what they're going to be doing. Um, and uh, there's, you know, unfortunately, the VA, VA does have, uh, has in some cases, a bad reputation. Um, so there's that. Um, I can personally say I've been to the VA for care, and I've gotten great care at the VA, and I've known other veterans who've gone to the VA and gotten great care. Um, you know, I, I can't speak to other folks' individual experiences. Mm-hmm. I can only speak to my own. Um, but I would say that from a, you know, uh, an optic standpoint, you know, there is is a little bit of a, a bad reputation there, unfortunately. Um you know, and then there, there's a reluctance, uh, especially with mental health issues, to go and get help. Um, and I think that's one of the bigger, the bigger challenges is, hey, I have an issue, but I don't want to go ha- go get help. Um, and and that that can be a, a pretty tough uh, tough thing to crack. That is tough. Now you know, and it just really um, brings up a subject that not many people are actually talking about, and I'm sure particularly in public radio or even online radio. So I'm glad to have you speak to this issue because it definitely is something that needs to be addressed. When you think of 20 veterans committing suicide a day and 14 not even receiving services, that's uh, that's that's really eye-opening and it really is sort of shocking in a way. You also, um, Dave, speak on the parallels between veterans and public safety as it relates to mental health challenges. Now, give me more uh, definition and explanation of, of that. So what I mean by that is, is and, and, and this is why, um, you know, we, we have challenges with public safety, suicide, and veteran suicide. Um, you know, in, in, in public safety for many years, and I, I grew up in an era where, you know, you didn't really talk about your feelings. Um, 
you know, you just packed it away. Um, you worked with your team. They trusted you. You trusted them. Uh, nobody really discussed um, potential mental health issues, especially after critical incidents. Um, but what we're seeing now um, is, you know, uh, the public safety members, they have to be mentally and physically uh you know, fit for duty, just like our military members. Uh, uh-huh. Our military members go to combat and they see horrible things. Uh, our public safety folks go out and see horrible things uh, during their course of duty. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd say that that's, that's, a, that's a tough thing. And, and when you grow up in an environment um, where, you know, you're not supposed to discuss things, um, that becomes a challenge. So how do you, how do you get past that? Is, is the real question. How do you, how do you help folks who don't, you know, who, who for a long time have, have not, you know, been able to mm-hmm. discuss uh, those things? I think, I think there's a movement now, though, that's uh, trying to address a lot of those issues and remove some of the stigma about talking about problems. Well, has there been, uh, I thought there was always uh, what we call psychological evaluations uh, for public safety, you know, those in public safety. Has that not been the norm or it doesn't detect some of the deeper issues? Um, It it can, and it is the norm. Uh, When you get hired Mm -hmm. onto a police department, um, there is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go through psychological testing. Um, but that psychological testing, in my own opinion, is mostly for, uh, evaluating your, your fitness to do the job. Um, it doesn't necessarily, um, go into, you know, do you have the mental fortitude to deal with some of the things you're going to see? Um, because there's no real way to predict that. Um, you know, you may go through your whole career, um, and, um, see extremely horrible things, be involved in many shootings, uh, et cetera, or you, you may go through your career and you, you may have worked in a small town and never pulled your gun. Um, there, there's a real, there, there's a real, uh, you know, gap there, uh, as mm-hmm. far as what people will experience. So I am taking what, what you're saying is that you see the parallel between veterans who are coming out of the services with these mental challenges, let's put it that way. Uh, I call it mental health efficiencies too. And those in public safety. Is that what I hear you saying when you say that? The parallels between veterans and public safety as it relates to mental health challenges. Yeah, and, and I think there's also, when you think of the challenges as an example, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a police officer, um, you're leery about coming forward and saying that you're, uh, having an ex- or experiencing a mental health challenge because your livelihood depends on you being physically and mentally fit. If you're not mentally fit, you no longer can be a police officer. So your livelihood rests upon that. And same within the military. Um, you know, uh, our, our, our jobs, both in public safety and the military, depend on trust. Trust with your brothers and sisters that you're out there with. Um, and if you're experiencing or can't handle an issue, um, the perception uh, is, is that you're no good to the team or your unit anymore because mm-hmm. you're not able to fulfill a function. Um, and that, I think, weighs very heavily on both military members and public safety members, is, and that, that's part of their reluctance about wanting to come forward uh, and share that they're having challenges. Yet we see um, publicly uh, visual images of public safety members 
being involved in violent situations. And it's like it's increasing. Uh, I've been around a long time, Dave. So uh, mm-hmm. go back many years. You don't see it. Uh, it's now visual, maybe because we're living in the era of everything, social media, I mean, you know, video, television. And so it's seen uh, rather before these things weren't seen. So maybe these things that have been happening with public safety members as it relates to mental challenges have been occurring, but they were never visual. So my my question. Yeah, I I I would agree with that. But what do you think? What do you feel, and, and this, this might not be a fair question, but again, what do you feel might be the answer here? Education, training, um, uh, preventive measures from certain people going into public safety? Because we certainly can't prevent people, because they have some, I think, some restrictions for veterans. Don't they kind of screen somebody f- to be fit for duty, or do they not to go into the armed forces? There, there, there is there is a screening process, and I know mm-hmm. that's something that has been evaluated in the past um, as far as letting people people in. Um, I, I I can certainly say I don't have all the answers uh, for sure. Oh um, sure, but, of course. You know, I, I I can honestly say that um, you know, as from a leadership perspective, and I'll and I'll say this, you know, I'll put my chief of police hat back on. Uh, mm-hmm. For a minute, um, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, every day, you know, your 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 officers go go out into the field and they they do the work for the police department. And as leaders, we need to be more approachable, um, and we need to be more accessible um, in, in general, all throughout the the rank structure in the police department. And we need to be more empathetic with officers who are struggling. Uh, with mm-hmm. issues, and we need to we need to figure out what to do to help them, so they can get back out onto the street uh, and and do what do what do their you know most people who go into law enforcement or the military are desirous um, of service, and they want to do that, and helping them do their job is one of your jobs as a leader. Um, so I think it's very important uh, from a, from a leadership perspective to make sure that your your team where your officers have the tools necessary to take care of themselves, both mentally and physically. And it is true. There, there are some leadership perspectives, and I appreciate your sharing that, too. But on the, other, on the flip side of this is what motivates certain individuals um, to go into public safety? Is there a prototype, just like they'll have a prototype on a sociopath or a narcissistic personality? They're, these are personality disorders. Uh, and so the reason why I got into this is because I'm sure my listeners will want to hear about this because it's, so much of this is in the news about the parallels that you bring up between veterans and public safety. So is there something from your own personal experience, because all you can address is that if no research has been done on it. All you can do is, uh, from a perspective, is there a certain prototype that's drawn into public safety that may have issues that play out uh, later on in a negative way? Well, uh, I, I would say <laughs> that uh, myself and uh, others that have gotten into uh, public safety uh, are probably more the type A personality. Uh, personality type. Um, uh-huh. That's that's not definite across the board. Lots of other personality types get into law Absolutely. enforcement, um, 
but but you know I, I I think you know overall you know during during a career you're going to see a lot of things um, and you never know um, really when that one situation is going to come up that's going to affect you more than others. And that really becomes the challenge because you never, you never know what call you're getting dispatched to next. Um, is it a domestic violence? Is it a fatality accident? Is it a sex crime? Um, you know, what, you know, what, what are you going to? And then, you know, sometimes you're going to see and hear things, um, that will probably bother you a little bit more, uh, depending, depending on the circumstances. Uh So that's, I, I, I would say that that's kind of a hard question to answer. I'm sure um, it is. Just because of the, the, the unknown, there's an unknown factor because you don't, you know, we always talk about trigger, you know, things that trigger people. Well, you never know right. what your trigger button is until it gets hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick uh, break, Dave, and we're going to come back. I've got some more questions for you. And listeners, stay tuned because we're going to be right back with Mr. Dave Weiner. Thank you for listening. <laughs> We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, thank you for coming back with my interview today, which is very lively and very interesting with Mr. Dave Weiner, who is a U.S. Air Force veteran and retired police chief of the Veterans Administration Healthcare System in Long Beach. And today we're talking about how Dave has become an outspoken advocate for veterans, and he speaks, and we just shared a discussion on the parallels between veterans and public safety as it relates to some of the mental health challenges. And for those of you who might have been listening, it was a very interesting conversation, and I hope that many of you have gained some insights from Mr. Weiner's sharing. We're going to change this a little bit and talk about, because uh, Dave, you cover a lot of territory, uh, or you have in your previous jobs, and from employee wellness to workplace violence, you've done a lot of speaking on some of these subjects too. So I would just like for you to just share a little bit about employee wellness and workplace violence, because we're seeing a lot of this uh, growing incidents of workplace violence. And um, can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, the, the, 
I don't think there's any hard data out there that would suggest that mental health issues um, uh-huh. are a direct correlation to workplace violence. But what I can say um, that if you're not as as a leader um, or any organization, if you're not addressing smaller issues in a workplace, um, those small issues uh, can combine and turn into large, much larger issues. Um, and violence is never uh, should never be uh, the the end result uh, of of a dispute or um, you know any kind of conflict in the workplace. Um, so I, I would say that you know if, if you're not addressing those small issues within your workplace, uh, those can manifest itself into much bigger issues, um, and unfortunately, um, those those can can definitely correlate to uh, workplace violence incidents. Well, and it's like like being in a leadership role for many of them. Uh, and I'm going to ask you sort of a tough question because, uh, you know, when we talk about employee wellness and public safety. We have a growing number of millennials who are now in the workplace. Uh, have you seen any indicators of how the impact uh, has been on employee wellness and public safety with the growing numbers of millennials that are now in the workplace and are going to be more by 2020, 2025? Um, that's actually a really great question. Um, having had one or two uh, millennials uh, in mm-hmm. my agency, uh, mm-hmm. I would say that um, their their needs can sometimes be different mm-hmm. um, insofar as um, you know they're they're going to question uh, they're going to question a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, which is okay. And as a leader, you should be prepared to answer those questions. And if you're mm-hmm. if you don't know, and it's okay to not know things, mm-hmm. um, but know know where to find the information to give to them um, and understand. You know, the, the one thing I've learned over my career in general. Um, is that everybody comes from a different background. Everybody has had different experiences through life. And, you know, the one good thing about the military, uh, at least for me, is I got to meet people from all over the country. Uh-huh. Um, you got to hear and share your experiences, you know, with folks that, you know, worked on a farm or, um, you know, uh, did, did or came from a, a small city um, versus a large city like Los Angeles. So you got to share those experiences, and law enforcement really isn't, isn't much different. And, you know, what you find is you become, you know, uh, I don't, I don't I, I lack, lack the term, you know, lack for, for lack of a better term, uh, tolerance for things. You get to understand people better. Um, so when people would come into my office with a challenge or a problem, my, my focus was, okay, what is the problem and how can I help? Um, you know, as, as unfortunately as leaders uh, in, in, a, in a role like chief of police, you're incredibly busy, but you should never be too busy to talk to your staff uh, and talk to your officers. That's great. And, you know, and for, for good lessons to be learned from previous experience and that you're sharing today, because we're going to have, uh, I think, a myriad of challenges that will be forthcoming with not only just the millennials, but what about the Gen Zers? Um, I could go on and on with, with topics. I don't want to sound negative, but I want to be positive, <laughs> Dave, uh, <laughs> as we talk about some of the positive things that can happen. You know, um, this is a curious question, but... Uh, as a man in a leadership role and what you've done for many years, have many men actually come to you for help? That's just a curious question I have. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I, I okay. would say so. 
even even in a even in a senior leadership role, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you establish relationships with your staff, professional mm-hmm. relationships, and you take an interest. And you know, for me, uh, being in a smaller uh, police department made it mm-hmm. a little bit easier to have more face time with my staff. You know, I can imagine mm-hmm. my counterparts, you know, at either the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department or LAPD. That's probably very hard. Um, to get out and get FaceTime uh, with with every officer in your department when you have 10,000 people. Um, I was in a much smaller agency, so that made it mm-hmm. easier for me. Um, but I also took a genuine interest uh, in, in things that impacted the staff. Um, so they felt, and after developing that professional relationship, they would feel comfortable coming to me. Um, and th- that was a good feeling as a leader. Um, but I would also say over the years, being in similar leadership roles, um, you know, you, you learn what to say and what not to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, when you, when you fail to help somebody, that's when you learn the most. Um, you, you tend to, you, you, you tend to, to get a better understanding of what you should or, sh- or shouldn't have said, uh, when things don't go well. Well, I have another curious question, too, is that in that leadership role, because, you know, there with men coming to you for help, so many are unwilling to share maybe a lot of their inner feelings of insecurities or I don't feel that maybe I'm in the right position or I need a help because they feel they have to keep up that macho image, particularly as a public servant. How did you deal with that? Were you did you become transparent with them um, that they would feel they could maybe share something intimately? Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that's, that's something that I I think a lot of leaders struggle with, like what, how can I help this person, but what do I share? And, and Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. sometimes you, depending on the circumstances, you have to share extremely personal things with someone to let them know that, listen, just because I'm the chief of police doesn't mean I don't have problems too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and you know, once people realize that you're just a person, um, you, that, and you're in a, but you're in a leadership role. Um, once they see you as a person too, then they, they, they get a better sense of, well, I think he can help me. Um, and then they're more willing to share. So being open and honest and transparent, um, and letting people know that, Hey, I, I struggle with this, you know, problem too, but here's what I did to solve it. And maybe that information might be helpful to you. That's great. And I'm glad you shared that. I was just curious about that, you know, because I know a lot of men don't like to share and um, what's going on with them. And thank you for that. What is, what's next for Dave? I mean, um, you're embarking on another journey. So what's next for you? Well, um, you know, as, as we previously discussed, I, I retired uh, in January yes. 2019 from law enforcement, but I Hi. haven't retired uh, per se. I'm not going fishing. Um, I do have a <laughs> challenge, so I've started, I, I've started my own uh, risk management and advisory firm here in the Los Angeles area um, to talk about and, and help um, agencies, uh, companies, uh, help them with their mental health programs, uh, help them build um, I've, I've actually been reached out to by several agencies uh, to help them craft either training um, or um, program support uh, for their mental health uh, endeavors uh, for their for either veterans uh, or their employees. That's fantastic. Um, you know, um, and then are you able to help? Well, you know, when I think about this, 
uh, first responders, firefighters, um, uh, what are you, paraprofessionals, those who are uh, paramedics. Because, um, you know, we don't talk much, uh, much about those individuals who have challenges, mental health challenges as well. So in your risk management company, do you incorporate those individuals as well? Uh, a- absolutely. And, you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've been reached out to, you know, in, you know, I, I sort of spoke a little bit earlier about, um, some of the, uh, I, I do have done some things on duty and off duty. Now the mayor's challenge is something that I was doing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, while I was still employed as the police chief, but I'm still, uh, working with my, uh, law enforcement, uh, partners, uh, that I worked with previously, uh, on the, uh, mayor's challenge. Um, but I'm also getting pulled into other projects. Um, Fantastic. one of those projects, was that going to be your next question? <laughs> no, I'm going to have to wrap up the show. So I want you to tell me what that project is real quickly. <laughs> uh, that project is something called GenU, uh, and it was created to uh, basically as a social media platform, a website, uh, where people share, uh, their, their experiences. Um, and it was really designed around college students, but we're working to build a page, uh, for veterans. So veterans Great. would share on video uh, their challenges and how they overcame them in a positive fashion. And then the folks that uh, are having challenges could view those videos privately and figure out ways to uh, rectify their own issues. I think that's incredible. And that's a website called GenU. Uh, Genuine Gen, You. Okay, spell it out so I can make a point of that. Spell it out for uh, me. Genu- the the word genuine, uh, which oh, okay. is G N U I N E, and then a capital U. Okay, genuine U, and is that a website? Yes, it is. Uh, you can go to genuineu.org to learn more about uh, this program um, and this website. Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's wonderful, and you know, again, it was designed for college students, but I would say mm-hmm. that it's also um, we're, we're looking to build a veterans uh, page uh, because we think, you know, that's, that's a good out-of-the-box way for veterans. Um, and then maybe down the line, we may even look at doing one for public safety. Well, I want to just say to all of my listeners out there, thank you for listening to Dave, listening to his story, his journey today. And for those of you who know a veteran or college student or a first responder that might be having issues, uh, you recognize that they're having issues, please share the website genuineu.org because I know there are many people that are in need of help. And Dave, it is so wonderful to meet people like you and others who are becoming trailblazers in an area that is so meaningful for a more productive society. And that is that people are genuinely healthy in mind, spirit, body, and soul. So obviously, you've transformed your life (laughs) to become what I call my successful trailblazer man you are today. And I really want to thank you for sharing with my listeners today because it really has been interesting and for me to learn about some of the mental health issues that we know are happening, not only with our veterans, but with our first responders, with those in public safety. And so thank you for shedding light on that. And I sincerely 
Thank you for being, for being my guest today. So as I close the show with my listeners today, what would you share to make someone's day? I close with a quote from Stephen Covey, which was demonstrated in a first responder's life that he shared with me. I will not forget. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. So listeners, if some of your friends miss the show today, remember they can download it later on Transformation for Success, iTunes, Roku, and we're on the business channel and we're on the empowerment channels. So I want to thank you, Dave. Kudos to you and much success in, I won't say retirement, I'll say recareering, because that's a word I coined, <laughs> recareering, <laughs> because you, you're going Dave. on to bigger and better things, and thank you. And again, that is genuineyou.org website. Please go to that if you know someone who needs some help. And thank you. This is Dr. Young closing off today, and I want to just wish you a happy week. Be blessed, be safe, and be forever transformed. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week. 